Welcome to this month's BP Leadership Lesson with today's title, Seven Steps to Transforming Your Organization. So I hope you're ready. Now let's dive in and see what he has to say. Now today I want to talk to you about what I call seven steps to transforming your organization. I think all of us want a better life and a better business. And, uh, and I, I, when I developed that lesson, I wrote down all the things that I thought of would help you to make a transition. How would you go from here to there? And that's really what growth is. That's what leadership is. It's how do I get from here to there? And so as I wrote out, I wrote out about 15 things. And I said, okay, if I, were, if I were like on the deathbed and had to write it down and nail it down to seven, what would be the top seven? So I came up with seven, and then in the, pretty much the order, but any of these will work. All of them will definitely change things. But in order to transform your life, these are some principles you need, okay? So if you're ready, let's just get started, all right? Number one, here's what I do. I call it look at it. What I mean by look at it means this, face reality. Nobody ever fixed anything without facing the reality. There's what we think things look like. There's what things really look like. Sometimes we don't really know, and sometimes we're way off. And so the greatest way to change anything is to face reality, you do that if your marriage is not working, you say, let's face it. You do it if your kids are not behaving, you say, okay, let's face it. You do it if, oh, I hate to even say it, but it's January, and now we're talking about weight and diet and all that stuff. You know, the first three letters of diet is die. And so <laughs> I'm looking at all that and saying, my soul, I, I put on my winter coat, and i got to get it off. And, uh, and so uh, I, there, there, anything you want to do, though, you have to face reality. You want to get better financially. You have to stop and say, let's face this. My wife and I last year took about seven projects that were huge projects. And we said, okay, what are we going to do and how do we fix this? And we said, let's face it. And we looked at every area. If I died today, are you covered financially? And that's when we got with Megan and, and, and Proverbs. I said, okay, it, do I have this kind of investment set up? Well, I've always thought about it, but didn't do it. Okay, let's do that. And we spent several months just checking reality. And there were sometimes we said, wow. We've got a lot of exposure here. We're wide open, didn't realize it. And so it helped us. So I encourage you in your changes, the first thing you've got to do is look at it realistically. Ask yourself the question, what's broken? What needs improvement? What needs to be changed? I say that because I've often said you can't solve a problem you do not see. You have to see it before you solve it. That's why your biggest frustration sometimes with your employers is you'll see they're not doing something and you're just frustrated <clears throat> and you think, can't they get it? Why don't they do it? They don't even see it's a problem. Until they see there's a problem, you'll never get them to acknowledge and start working on solving the problem. And so seeing it is the first step. So that's why I say open the hood, look at your business, check your processes, check your systems. At BPL a couple of years ago, my son Brent, I brought him in at first, and I, that was where one of the first jobs he got before he was pastor. And, uh, and I remember, boy, it was exciting. He, I got him to leave his place of security and come to work for me for nothing but commission. And so that was really a real unsure ground. First day at the business, he, he made one mistake, and, I, and I, his heart was so right. He made a mistake. He lost me $7,000. And he came in and said, Dad, I, I quit. I said, well, he said, I, I got to quit. I made a decision, it was the wrong one, I just lost 7,000, I'm quitting. And I said, oh, no, 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 you ain't quitting. You're going to get my 7,000 back, then you quit. <laughs> Anybody can come to work for you, hey, I lost your money, I'm gone. <laughs> no, that ain't the way it works. And so he learned through that and did a lot better and made more and said, these are mistakes I learned from and grew through and all that. But we had to stop and face it, and one of the big things that I remember that he would do he would call the call service. We'd be watching the UFC fight at midnight. All of a sudden, he'd pick up the phone. I'd say, who are you calling at midnight? 
He said, I'm calling BPL. I just want to see if they answer the phones. And they'd get an automatic system. And then he'd act like he's ordering something. And they would give him back the feedback. And he was checking that because he said, I don't know. I can assume things are working, but I don't know until I look at it. And I say to you, we, we all believe things are working well, but walk through some time with the eyes of a first-timer and see how it looks, all right? That's the key. Now, check that out. Uh, number two, once I, in fact, I, I'd say this along that line quickly, though, before I get off that. A, after you look at it, execute the changes that need to be made. A big problem people have is they write out what the problems are, but they never execute. Did you know they tell us the biggest gap in all of business is between knowing what to do and doing it? It's the, it's the act of acting on it. So uh, here's what I would say if you're having a meeting. Never leave a meeting without someone authorized to take action. Okay, when you finish the meeting, if you've discussed it, you need to stop and say, now who's responsible for that? And, and put that monkey on somebody. If it don't get on them, you're going to have another meeting next month about the same thing, and the next month, and the next month. So someone has to be responsible for executing. Any business that wants to be excellent will be outstanding in execution. That, that's what they do. And so uh, transformation always starts with that reality check. Look at it. All right, number two. <clears throat> number two is this. Learn for it. Learn for it. Whatever your business is, learn for that. What I mean by that is this. Everywhere you go, look and observe, see how other companies are doing what you're doing, um, see which one of those are doing it right, see which one of those are not doing it right, those that miss it. And, and, and if you will observe, I know it's, um, I know it's, you know, it, it, it seems like when you do that, that you just never get it off your mind. You won't if you're going to be all in it. But you want to look and say, what can I do to make this better? My wife and I do this by habit. You probably, many of you probably do this. It's not a critique to, to hurt. We never tell anybody. But every business we ever walk in, every single business we walk in, we just go into this mode of what could be better. The sign could be better over there. The bathrooms could be clearer to find. You know, the menu should be with some pictures on it. All of us don't want to read it. Um, you know, we see all the things. Did the hostess leave to go find us? Did she walk us all around the restaurant to bring us right back to the table next to where we started? You know, we notice all of those little things. We walk out of restaurants. I hate to say this. What, the other day, we, we walk out of at least one a week. We walked out of one the other day. They chased us out in the parking lot. See, I got this feeling if in the first five minutes I'm getting bad service, why do I want to waste my hour? So we walk in, and this lady was at all these empty seats, and we said, can we have a seat just anywhere around here? And there were other people sitting there. And the little girl said, I don't know. And I said, well, I believe you could, okay? Uh, just a seat right there. And she said, well, I'll have to go ask. And then she said, how about right over here? And it was a terrible seat. Off, and nowhere else. And we said, no, no, we, we need a seat for four of us. And then she said, well, let me go get the manager. And she left. Five minutes later, you didn't, so we said, okay. And we walked out. Now, when we walked out, then the manager chased us in the parking lot. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's, that's on them. I love them. I guess the food's good. But I'm not sure if it is, if it's starting off a bad service. You need to do that about every business you go into, especially your own. Learn from and learn for it. And, and when I say, when you do that, when I'm looking at it that way, I'm looking at it from the outsider's view. I mean, you, you're looking now from eyes that are not yours. I'll tell you what I did in the early days when I was pastor. In the very early days, when we had like, I guess, 50 people, 
We didn't have any money. We had nothing. We had an old broke down building. But I would invite people to come to church that didn't even go to church. I'd say, I want you to come. And they'd say, well, you know, I don't go to church much. I said, how about this? If I give you $20, would you come to church? You gonna give me $20, come to church. Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not just giving you $20 to come to church. I'm going to get something from it. So what I'd say is this. I'm going to give you $20, but I'm going to give you a legal pad. And when you come, I want you to write down everything you see broke, okay? At the end of the service, I want you to give it to me. Just give me the and I'll give you $20. But you've got to have a list of things. I don't want one item. I want a list of them. And I promise you that worked. That was the best 20 bucks I ever spent. I was getting market research from people that walk in. They'd say, your usher doesn't smile. That, that lady wouldn't give me a, a, bu a bulletin. Uh, the music was too loud over here. A speaker was broke over there. They would tell me things we would never know. Sometimes with your employees, they'll always tell you the good, okay? You know that. I mean, you think of your employees like your children. Your kids will tell you what went on, but they'll give it to you in increments, you know. They don't give it to you all at one time. They want to see how much you can handle. And, and your, your staff will do the same. They, they don't mean to, but they don't want to get in trouble. And so the best thing you can do is get other outside eyes to tell you. Man, I would get these, there's spider webs in the corner, this light's blown, things that everybody should have seen, but by looking at it and learning for it, it helped us to improve. And so I, I know this, that's the key. So transformation develops when we get intentional about our growth. And I would say this if you're in the customer service business, treat every customer like you did your first customer. You remember that first customer you got? You were so excited. You tried and tried and tried. Finally, you, you got a customer. And you, you gave them everything but the kitchen sink because you were just glad to have them on board. If you will not lose that and treat all of your customers, no matter how big you get, like you did your first one, it makes a big difference. All right, let me give you number three. The third transformation is this. I mentioned that about look at it, learn for it. Now, live in it. Have you ever met a leader that just loves what they do? They just love it. I mean, they're obsessed with it. They, uh, they're consumed with their job, their business, their life is all about being successful, making it that way. They're just obsessed. Um, they, they come alive when you talk about their business. There, there are some people that I think, I don't have time to make a phone call and ask how they're doing because when they get through telling me how good they're doing, I'm going to be excited, but it's going to take an hour because they've got so much going on. They love it. But that's the way it ought to be. If you've got a business and it's not always on your mind, you don't love it well. It ought to be just like your marriage. If you're a parent, you know, those kids are always on your mind. If you're married, you're in love, they're always on your mind. If you're in business, it ought to always be at the back of your mind. Now, it shouldn't consume everything, but it ought to consume enough that you know that I'm, I'm all in this thing. Heart, body, soul. And when you live in it, what happens is your passion will grow. And when your passion grows, you're going to reach a state of mind that you can see it'll change from galloping to, a, to an all-out sprint. It'll change from just this is work we go to to, man, this is work I get to do and what can we do to make it better. I would steal, when I was a pastor, I stole ideas from every church I could find, big, little, small, didn't matter. If I saw something working, I grabbed that baby. And that was, I saw a church with a park in it, came back, told Brent, you got to see this church. It's got this incredible park. People drive up from everywhere. So Brent flew out there, looked at it, came back. Okay, let's do it. Whatever we'd see, we'd try to do by taking another idea and living in that idea. Number four, fourth way to transform your life or business. Establish a sense of urgency. Now that means you, you, you just feel it. It's 
we've got to get this business out. We've got to make that contact. We've got to make that sale. We've got to touch base with that client. See, now, I always said, when I was in, in, in pastoring a church, I saw people who died without Christ going to hell. So that motivated me. That was my urgency. But in your business, it may not be that one, but let me ask you this question. What is your urgency? What is it that makes you say, this city needs my business? They need us. That People need what I offer, what I provide. And, and you feel a sense of I am responsible to be able to give some hope and answers to somebody somewhere that's looking for it. And if you can define your sense of urgency and you can define why they need your business, it'll bring about for you a tremendous transformation. All right, let me give you number five. Moving quickly here for you, but uh, it's best for you here. Number five is have a clear vision. If the vision is not clear in your mind, it's going to be cloudy among your team. It's got to be clear to you. you you got to know this is what I want and this is where I'm going. And my, my parameters may be different from yours. You can you choose your own. We're all free. I like to narrow my focus and say, okay, everything that helps me to get to my goal is my friend. And everything that gets in my way is my enemy. So therefore, I'm not going to waste my time or my energy focusing on something that doesn't help me get where I want to go. If this helps me get where I want to go, then everything there, good experiences, bad experiences, whatever, if it keeps me moving that way, that's my friend. But anything that gets in my way or blocks that path, that's my enemy. And therefore, I don't want to hang out with or fool around with or spend much time with those things that don't get me where I want to be. You got one life. Your life is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you choose. But you can't spend it but once. You only get it one time. You go around that one time, so you got to say, what am I going to do? I can't, I don't have to answer for everybody else. i got to answer for me. I don't have to worry about what they do. I could care less. Don't, don't, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Focus on where you are, where you want to go. Now, that's not being selfish. That's going to take care of you so you can take care of others, all right? And so the, a clear vision is going to make a big difference. That means, what am I doing? Where are you going? Why are you doing it? Your why will determine how, how much you do it, whether you stay in the game or not. And then what you'll need to get there. Who you'll need to meet to help you. I've got a big project coming soon, so I, I know somebody that I don't know. I've never met them. And so I called a friend of mine and said, I need about 30 minutes with them. I promise you I'll make it worth their time, but i got to have 30 minutes with them, or I'm afraid to make a move this year. And so when I shared it with him, he said, I'll set it up. And I heard a few minutes ago, Got it arranged. Well, that, that's a big deal because you, there's certain people that have been where you want to go, and they will know how to get there better than you having to fumble and, and try. If, I, if I'm in your business, whatever your business is, go to the people that can help you to get further and pick their brain, drive them nuts if need be, ask them enough questions they never want to see you again, whatever you got to do, but get your goods. Get the goods from it. There is always a way to make something work if we're willing to pay the price to figure it out and find out how. And so getting that vision is going to be one of the biggest things for you. In fact, I, I mentioned along that line, um, the, 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 the next one would be number six. Develop a team that is all in on what you do. This is the one that uh, I, I hate it because this one, this one can be it can be a frustration. You gotta, you gotta look for people that are, that are capable of growing, 
that want to make a difference and that want to be alongside you to get where you want to go to really make a big difference. See, you can, you can go faster. You can travel faster by yourself, but you travel further with a team. And if you want to go further, you've got to have good people around you. Now, I say it from experience. I didn't always have good people around me. There's a verse in the, in the Proverbs that says, um, it says that uh, a person who hires everybody that walks by is like a blind discus thrower. He's, like, he's, like a, he's just throwing. He, you know, he may not win anything, but he keeps the crowd awake. Uh, the truth is, is that your team is going to determine so much of how far you go. And I had teams at time. I'll be honest. I had some teams sometimes that they were very self-centered. All they cared about was them. Some of them just wanted to put in the hours, and at five o'clock they were tying their tennis shoes on at four fifty-eight, and they're ready to run out the door and jump in their car and squeal off. They're gonna show up at nine. They're gonna leave at five. They're gonna do only what the minimum is, and you couldn't push them if you put a gun to their back. They just there were some people who just couldn't be motivated, and I carried some of them a little longer than I should have. But every now and then we started finding some that we said they've got the right raw talent. They got the skill, the passion. And, and what I want to do with them is cultivate them. And when you get the right team and they're all in, that's when the game totally changes. It changes now because it's no longer you having to carry the load. It's others with you. And then you get a chance to really make a huge difference. Uh, you know the illustration. I've used this probably 20 years ago, and, but it hadn't changed. And it reminded me the other day when I was at home and I saw something go by. Whenever you see Canadian geese flying by, you know the seasons have changed. You know, immediately now says a change. I don't have to listen to the weatherman. They will tell me they're better than him. And, uh, and they fly, as you know, in that V formation. Sometimes they look like a check mark, sometimes perfect V, but whatever. And the way they fly, those Canadian geese take off and they fly one out front and the rest of them here. But as they go, what they do is, is they're honking and, uh, and you'll hear that loud noise. What they're doing is they're encouraging the leader, the one in the front, and they're also keeping the morale up. You know, because the rest of them now are working a little harder, so that's what they're doing. But the one in the front is creating a path in the wind. He's creating a resistance there, breaking through, so the rest of them don't have to spend as much energy. They're in that path, that current path, and they're flapping their wings, but it's not nearly as hard. They're, they're doing what we call drafting. I was out of gas one night in Augusta, Georgia, and it went a gas station for 20 miles, and I drafted behind an 18-wheeler for a long way. And I mean, I was on, he didn't even know I was back there. I mean, I, I said, if he hits his brakes, I'm, I didn't, my light was on, I knew I was out of gas, so what I do, I'll draft. So I got behind him. I tried it one time, I rode, drove a race car one time, so I learned a little bit about that from there, but I got behind that 18 wheeler. He never even knew I was there. I mean, I was right here the whole time. You know, we say that, you see, you know, if, if my driver's bad, call this number. I had that number right here. And there a few minutes, I'd forget what I was doing. I'd think, oh man, if he'd hit the brakes, I'm a goner. But but the truth is, is that's what those geese are doing. They're drafting. And those back here are not using near the energy. And then when the leader gets tired, he just slips back. And another one slides into his spot. Now, because they're a team, this will blow your mind. They, don't, they fly at best right at 40 miles an hour, 30 to 40, somewhere in there. But because they're a team, they can cover 1,000 miles in one day. That's a lot of mileage. One day by doing nothing but getting in the current, working together as a team. One of them alone could fly only a little over 100 miles, and he'd be exhausted. But because he has the others around him, he can go 10 times further. And so I say to you, that team is going to be the key. 
Uh, when you work together that way and you celebrate, that does. Now, let me give you the last one. Uh, the, the last point is this along that line. When I mentioned you got your team together, now plan and celebrate short-term wins. There are a lot of people that are doing a lot of good things, but the problem is they don't know how to celebrate. Uh, they will do something really good, and then they move on to the next project and the next project. And you'll burn the people out if you do that long enough. you got to stop and celebrate. you got to stop and say, hey, this is time that let's just kick back, enjoy it. I mean, whatever it takes. And by the way, the more you celebrate the wins, the more wins you will get. And so you want to celebrate as many wins as you can. You want to make certain that the morale is up. And the reason is people want to be in a positive environment. Nobody ever said, hey, I want to work in a place where they just belittle me and put me down, don't give me any opportunities. I want to be in a place where the boss just treats me like I'm dirt. No, you want to be in a place where you say, they give me opportunity. Man, they help me. They resource me. They turn me loose and let me go. That's what you want to be in. And so the key is now celebrating those wins. People want to be in an encouraging environment. And celebrating is good for the business. So I say to you, those are seven steps right there that will transform your life and transform your business. I really hope you'll apply it and make it work for you this year in 2020. All right. Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.